0: Today begins the start of our feel-good story of the year. Child abuse, sex trafficking, corrupt police, the story contains it all. We'll start by discussing Dean Coral's childhood, his mother's poor track record of marriages, and his family's business. Hey, who's that man giving out candy to kids? Oh, that's just old Dean. Don't mind him. He means no harm. Or does he? I'm Mike. I'm Ian. And I'm Dave. If you thought we had already covered the worst of the
1: worst stick around, because now we have a new entry in the biggest piece of shit category. This is Necronomapod. Today, the father of one of the dead boys showed up at police headquarters to ask David Brooks how his son died and if he suffered much pain. He was told he may be allowed to meet with Brooks in private at a later date. His son disappeared in December 1971 following an evening church service he attended. I feel that
2: i feel animosity i really do after all what person wouldn't feel some animosity but the mother of this boy henley
0: i know that she's going through probably the same things we are and people shouldn't try to condemn the
2: mother for what the son has done although my animosity i'm deeply grieved and i have great animosity of what i'd like to do but yet i go back
0: that the vengeance Oh, this is going to be an Ian-heavy uh, episode, I think. Dave and I are moving slow. Yeah. Fucking heat got us today.
1: We're at the county fair. Heat's stroking
0: out. Ian made the wise choice and did not join us at the fair. It was so humid. It was like, what, 92, 93 degrees yeah. outside? I don't like summer. It's awful. It's the worst. There's so many people. It wasn't bad when we first got there, but then by the end... You know or like an hour or two later when it starts getting closer to like dinner time there's just so many people it was too hot to eat yeah i just i felt sick we left and went to, to sushi after <laughs> sat in some air condition
2: that's <laughs> great i initially didn't go because i'm trying to be healthy and i didn't want to be around all the sweets like cotton candy and candy apples all that stuff <laughs> there's literally uh, not one healthy thing there no i didn't eat anything there so i was fine but then, yeah, when I went outside and felt how hot it was, I was like, "Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely not going." I was like, an "Hour and a half, I'm like, I gotta go. I, I've hit my limit here."
0: Yeah, it's it's so hot. Like you're not, you nothing looks appetizing or tastes Mm-mm. good.
2: Yeah. I would have gotten my candy apple to go home. <laughs> I would have ate it
0: later. <laughs> Probably would have melted by the time you got to your car. It's true. A lot of neck bearding going on up there too. Well, it's oh yeah, sure. <laughs> oh yeah, it's a different type of crowd. <laughs> To say the least, <laughs> um, yeah, I'm exhausted. I, I kicked my ass. I felt sick earlier. Just I, my body. I just start phys- feeling physically ill when I'm when I'm hot. I'm a pansy when it comes to summertime. That's true. Can't, I, can't confirm. I save my uh, bitching for the summer. You won't hear me complain at all in the winter time. Give me all the snow.
2: Yeah, I don't complain at you all. You don't all even ski. Time.
0: I don't ski. That's what I said. Do you want me to ski? Should I be skiing? <laughs> I go ice skate. That's I up that. to you, man. I'm not I'm yeah, just saying. Have you been skiing? I've never skied. I've water skied.
1: I used to ski when I was a much younger man. My skiing days are far behind me now. Yeah. Or you don't want to end up like Sonny Bobo. I do not. Yeah. It's coming off us. I mean, you know, Ohio, New York skiing. It's not Colorado skiing. Hey, skiing, skiing, though, pal. You're, you were doing yeah. it. I hear the people out west snickering as we talk about <laughs> skiing in Ohio. You, d-
2: you did a ski.
0: <laughs> have
1: you ever been skiing? No. Water skiing, like wakeboarding,
0: no. anything like that. Mm-mm.
1: I was not good at water skiing. I was not good at staying above the
0: water. I was inexplicably really good at skiing from the very get go. Mm. I felt it was very much like ice skating with how you kind of have to shift your balance and and kind of keep it on the on the skis. And if you want to go, you know, right, yeah, yeah. kind of put a little more pressure. Once I learned how to like get out of the water because you have to let the boat pull you up and out. Exactly. And that's not natural to like want to be pulled forward. That's right. And if once you learn like just to let the boat bring you to a stand and then like after a while I was just like, okay, do I just let go now? Like I'm not clearly not gonna fall. What do I do? It's like driving a stick shift. With, once you get it, oh right. once you get the motion, it's easy. You got it down. Yeah. So that's a little bit about us. <laughs> How are you listeners doing at home? <laughs> Hopefully you poured yourself a, a cocktail or a weed because uh, the next three weeks are going to get a little crazy, it's a little dark, very like, little fun, like really bad. Yeah. There's nothing good. No, in. nothing at all. Good. in star in this story. This has been a, a highly requested subject though for a while. People have been wanting us to do him because we have sick fuck listeners. <laughs> You know, we could be talking about happy things. No, they want Dean Coral. Like unicorns? Sure. You want to do an episode on unicorns? That could be fun. I'd love to. That, we need to get like a, uh, like some kind of creepy pasta on unicorns. Like one that turns evil and just starts stabbing people with its, its horn. Hmm. Like an undercover unicorn that's really bad. Maybe something. Breaking yeah. bad
1: unicorn. Like a unicorn <laughs> does a heel
0: turn and fucking just starts attacking people. Like, like it, cornholing like, people with the, yeah. With its, thing like the rainbow turns to like
2: dripping blood
0: like a blood <laughs> rainbow
2: I bet you we could do a whole episode on unicorns Yeah I bet you we could Okay There's like bible references to unicorns really? like weird like one-horned animals talked about Intriguing I'm a one-horned animal Yeah
0: <laughs> I don't have it on my head Well I know
1: from Harry Potter there's no greater sin than killing a unicorn because it's uh, 100% pure and innocent
2: It's true there's um, a Genghis, Genghis Khan that uh, was really after a unicorn horn. Really? Oh, I don't know. I think so. That sounds right. I don't know why I know so much about unicorns.
0: It oh, could be a fun Patreon show.
2: Yeah. Right. Bonus episode. Well, he did
1: enough fucking. Like 10% of the world can trace their lineage yeah. to Genghis
0: Khan. So
2: I'm pretty sure he, he was, was doing like,
0: something. And But he couldn't find the unicorn horn. It <laughs> was his yeah. white whale.
2: I think he was like really after one. Like he really wanted one. This unicorn story's getting better. <laughs> I'm up for it now. Genghis Khan's cool.
1: I, I mean, for- not for the people he slaughtered, but it's a good story. <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right. Well, that's all the laughing we'll have tonight. <laughs> Let's jump on in.
2: So Dean Corll is different than any other serial killer we've talked about because of how his story plays out. There are no interviews with Dean and there was no trial. Regarding Dean's early life, all we have to go off of is what his mother told the public about Dean. Dean's father and his siblings never spoke a word to reporters, and his mother ends up taking denial to a whole different level.
1: Even greater than Mrs. Bundy, because she was pretty good on the denial trip.
2: Even more so than
1: Mrs.
2: Bundy. Because she just didn't want to believe it. She didn't. She wouldn't hear of it. But she didn't make excuses for him in public. Mm. Her her thing was like, I I just can't even imagine that he would do that type thing. Like head in the sand kind of thing. Yeah. Mary, uh, Mary West is like, absolutely not. Okay. Dean is a perfect boy. Ah. Dean Coral was born on December 24th, 1939, in Fort Wayne, Indiana, to Mary Robinson and Arnold Corll. Arnold was very strict, but Mary made sure to point out that he was not abusive. Mary said that Arnold would make Dean and his younger brother sit in timeout for longer than she was comfortable with and for stuff that she thought was minor. Mary used an example of Dean climbing on the toilet to the sink as an example of what would get him put in timeout.
1: Just hearing about timeout in the 40s is a shock. I thought it was uh, belt buckle time in the 40s, sure, just right? just your kid. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That's very progressive in my book, timeouts in the 40s. And and no, I was not alive in the <laughs>
0: 40s, so let me I stop w- you right there, I Mike. I wasn't going to go there. I was just trying to think about climbing up on a sink. I feel like the sink is just break. Hmm. Maybe they were built better back then, though. Everything was, was built better back yeah. then. People gave a sh- shit about their work. They <laughs> took pride in their craftsmanship. <laughs>
2: I don't know what to make of this because it's coming from Mary. All this mm-hmm. comes from her. So it sounds a little made up to me the way she describes it, especially when you go into detail, like reading about her um, mm. in the book, the candy man, she's just really elaborate about this whole timeout thing. She goes on and on about how, Oh, Arnold would just, you know, make those boys sit in that chair for so long. And mm. it's like, no, I feel like, Arnold was probably beating both of them with a belt. Like you said,
0: making them sit in a chair is not really that awful. It's not the worst thing in the world. Yeah. 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 I don't believe that. I don't think timeout was a thing in the forties. <laughs> no. Wasn't invented yet.
1: No, I don't think it was
2: <laughs> like, she talks about how, um, the boys would want Dean and his brother would want to go outside and play. And they're like, Oh, they were scared to ask their dad. They had to make sure they'd come and ask me to go outside. Cause I'd let them go play. Mm. I'm like, well, That seems a little harsh. They can't go outside, right? so. Not buying it. Mary and Arnold got divorced in 1946, and Mary said it was because they fought too much and just decided to go their separate ways. No hard feelings, it just wasn't working out, which seems to be accurate. Arnold got drafted into the Air Force and was stationed in Memphis, Tennessee. So to make sure that Dean and his brother were close to their father, Mary sold the house in Indiana and moved to Memphis. Didn't you get draft deferments when you had kids
1: during that time?
0: I don't remember specifically.
1: I was trying to look at it today. I couldn't find it either. And
0: I mean, it's post war, so it's post war. Yeah. Like the draft,
1: that the World War Two draft ended in forty seven. So I'm not sure. It seems like post war draft. You'd probably maybe he get didn't it. want
0: it to ferment, Dave. <laughs> maybe not.
2: That's a good point. Yeah, he might have just wanted to head out. He's
0: like, "Oh, sorry, got to go." <laughs> <Bye>. <laughs> she sold the house and moved there. <laughs> right. <It's> like, Fuck. <laughs>
1: Like he printed up a fake draft card and draft notice.
2: (laughs) According to Mary, Dean was a shy kid who didn't socialize with other kids. Mary said that Dean's younger brother would go out running around with other kids, but Dean never wanted to leave and play. She said that Dean would play with kids if his brother had friends over, but Dean didn't go out of his way to play with other kids. Mary said that Dean's shyness stemmed back to a birthday party he went to when he was six years old and didn't win a prize. And all the other kids did. Well,
0: it's not fair. I get it. <laughs> How do you not just give that one kid like a little something? Yeah, right. Price? Everyone else got something? Come on. He's probably
2: stand
1: in the corner crying. You can't give him a fucking uh, bouncy ball or something. Was every adult a
0: piece of shit in the 40s? <laughs> yeah. A couple marbles. What do they play with in the 40s? <laughs> I think that's it. Even teddy bears. That was it. Or that
1: Red Ryder BB gun that the kid from Christmas Story wanted.
0: What was the game...
1: Jax. He's
0: hey, bounce him. a ball, pick up Jax. Yeah. I had Jax when I was a kid. Maybe that's what it was, Jax. Can you imagine kids nowadays, like, they wouldn't have the attention span. They're like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> yeah. This is stupid. Get this the fuck out of my face.
2: <laughs> Just throws some of their parents. <laughs> I'm going to go play
0: Call of Duty now.
2: <laughs> when Dean was seven years old, Mary said he developed rheumatic fever, which is an inflammatory disease that can affect the heart, joints, skin, and brain, and it's usually a result of getting strep throat. That was never diagnosed or anything, that's just what Mary said. Dean really did have a heart murmur, and that's what Mary said caused the heart murmur, and that murmur was diagnosed in 1950. Also in 1950, Arnold Coral was honorably discharged from the Air Force and ended up remarrying Mary, and the family moved to Pasadena, Texas which is a suburb of Houston. Things didn't work out again for Arnold and Mary, and they got another divorce in 1953. The divorce was peaceful, and Dean and his younger brother stayed in regular contact with their father. Dean's grandmother on his mother's side lived in a farm in Indiana, and Dean and his brother would go out there for summers. Regarding sex, Mary said that the boys learned everything they needed to know about sex on the farm. She didn't need to teach them anything when i was a kid i did not have like this weird sit down like birds and bees talk but i would argue that getting your sex education from watching two farm animals fuck Mm. is not the proper way to go about it it's probably not the healthiest are you sure she didn't mean they were fucking the animals she could have (laughs) i just
1: asked the question
2: yeah in the in the book she says like what else does a boy need to know after being on a farm for a summer? Hmm.
1: Good job, Mom. <laughs> Maybe this was Mike's experience. He couldn't see the pig clits, so he assumed the clits don't exist. <laughs> Do I seem like the kind of guy that would ever be on a farm, Dave? <laughs> well, your what? sports and music tastes would lead me to believe
0: otherwise. I don't think your you boot, know. Your boot scooting, uh, bush drinking ass. Seems like it came right <laughs> off the farm. I don't think anybody listening to this show has any idea what my actual music taste is because I don't talk about my actual music taste. And that bushlight was one time for a chance to win all glory. And I failed miserably. <laughs> but it's true. Pigs don't have collets, and nobody on this earth
1: does. <laughs> nobody on this earth does.
2: That's very, that's definitive. You heard it here. It seems like that leads to trouble a bit. Remember Peter Curtin? That's where he learned about sex. That's right. Was that's that right. that dog catcher was fucking those dogs in front that's of right. him? It's like no. you want to try? Sure don't. <laughs> Man, I don't remember that. Yeah, that's fucked up. He like lived in this apartment when he was like eight, and this dog catcher upstairs would kill these dogs and fuck them and stuff. And... Yeah,
0: sounds like quality podcast content. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was for sure our sick fuck <laughs> listeners. <loved it. laughs>
2: Mary was really good at baking, specifically pralines. Pretty much right after the second divorce, Mary met a traveling clock salesman named Jake West while he was selling clocks. The two of them hit it off, got married, and moved to Vidor, Texas to start a candy company selling Mary's pralines. Sally Defty from the St. Louis Post-Dispatch went down to Vidor after shit hit the fan for Dean Coral, and she summed up the town writing, quote, there are some nice people... But essentially, it's the kind of place where the big event for the kids is to pour kerosene on the cat and set it a fire. It's the kind of place where nobody cares about civil rights and everyone cares about the high school football team. Fidor, Texas was also a sundown town, meaning that black people were not welcome after dark. Under the city limit sign, there was another sign that said, um, the very ugly slur, get your ass out of town by sundown. There's a lot of that going on back um, in this time frame. I have no doubt. Still, something going on today, which is just crazy when you think about it. Yeah, like that. There are pockets of this country like that still. I sent you guys that article with that young guy that was traveling around and doing stuff like a vlog kind of thing, and mm-hmm. went into one in a place in Kentucky to get gas, and the guys and said, "You better not be here after sundown." It's unbelievable.
1: So I don't know if you guys remember this, that Vidor, Texas is about an hour away from Jasper, Texas, where in 1998, that that guy's name was James Bird Jr. was, like, dragged through town and killed by the three white guys. You remember that? I don't Like, hook him up to a chain in the back of a pickup truck
2: and drug him miles through town. Yeah, we're not talking about great people in this story <laughs> no. at all.
0: Well, and the entire town's IQ doesn't add up to 100. You know, all
2: these dumb fucks. Yeah, these aren't, like even booming place. You know what I mean? Like there's nothing there. Just dead backwards places. Right. But even if the three of us walked into a town like that, mm-hmm. we would be questioned.
1: Sure. So we have all our teeth
2: <laughs> form sentences like that. No outsiders are really welcome. Sure. You know,
1: I get that. Look, I've been in one time. We were down in the bourbon trail in Kentucky in the early days of uh, GPS. And the GPS uh, was not working properly. It was like taking like Michael Scott driving us into a river, mm-hmm. but it, we ended up in just the, this barely a road place with good old boys with shotguns. So I
0: down, 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 presume
1: we're gardener weed fields, and I'm like, we got to get the fuck out of here because nothing good was going on back there.
2: Yeah, so it's like that. You're you're already perceived as an outsider. Sure. Then, if you're a black person, it's a t- it's a terrible situation. Yeah, absolutely. To yeah. even you're go an
0: outsider and not wanted in general, and there's no one that's going to stop them from doing what they want to do to you.
2: Look, this is the '50s, so I mean, yeah, yeah, you know what was going on down in the south in the '50s. Yeah, I mean that sign. Yeah, right next to the city sign. Yeah, I saw a picture of it online. It's fucking crazy to even think that something like that would have happened. Yeah. That sign's still there because they finally take it down. I don't think it's there. I think they they put some money into Vidor, mm. at least a little bit, trying to boom it up. But you're talking, what, 50s? There's a lot of those people are still alive. You sure. know what I mean? Like sure. It's not like all these people have died off and not passed on their sure. stupid beliefs.
0: And they're not listening to us because they don't have cell phones there, so they don't know what a podcast is. <laughs> 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 they could spruce it up all you want, but you can't polish a turd.
2: So Dean went to Vidor High School from 1954 to 1958, where he was known as a model student who got good grades. Dean was still quiet and a loner, and because of the heart murmur, he couldn't play sports, so he joined the band and played trombone. Dean also had a habit of killing flying squirrels and putting them on a chain around his neck or, like, stuff them down in his cowboy boots, which is really fucking weird, but in Vidor. And according to Mary, it's just boys being boys. And Dean just liked killing squirrels.
1: Who doesn't kill an occasional squirrel and stuff them in their <laughs> boots? What do you, it's not weird.
2: What's
0: the size of a the flying fuck? squirrel that you can wear as a necklace? I mean, like, are I, they smaller
2: than regular squirrels? No. They're, or,
1: it's like they're just hanging down. Like, like yeah, it like that's, looks like a tie,
2: like, like a furry tie, right? Yeah, they're probably like that big. Jesus. But then they have long tails. The way I picture is, he had like fucking six. Flying squirrels on a chain and just threw it over his shoulder. Like it was a trapper, like a beaver fur trapper <laughs> or
0: something. So fucking weird. Like I didn't know if flying squirrels were like maybe more like chipmunk size and you can just like wear them all. So this guy's just wearing like giant ass squirrels on his neck. Good thing you didn't go to college with Dean, right? When you were doing your flying squirrel
1: make <laughs> it in, in front of the door, he would have got you.
0: you. Gotta be careful. Stuffed you in this cowboy boot. <laughs> so there's a lot of things you gotta worry about when you're gonna surprise people and open the door. and Punch level is your ballsack. <laughs> you got to be a brave man. It's not for the weak. You are nothing if not brave,
1: my friend.
2: The candy company initially was ran out of the family's garage with Dean and his brother running the machinery and packaging the candy. Then Jake West would sell the candy on the road, mainly in Houston. After Dean graduated high school in 1958, the family moved to Houston Heights. So they could be closer to where the candies were being sold at the time houston heights was a very impoverished neighborhood outside of houston kind of hit the pause button on dean's early life and get into 1970s houston because the houston police department is the sole reason why someone like dean coral was able to do what he did and just kind of the state of houston at the time back in the 50s houston was a rapidly growing city a lot of money was being put into the downtown area, but like a lot of cities, there's two versions of Houston. Outside of the booming downtown area, crime pretty much went unchecked. In 1957, Houston had the highest murder rate in the U.S., earning it the nickname Murder City or sometimes Murder Town. In that time, and during the time of Dean Coral's murders, the Houston Police Department was pretty much non-existent unless you were wealthy and white. At the time of Dean Coral, Houston had about 1.3 million residents and 2,200 police officers to handle everything. I read 1957 there were 136 murders. Just in that one time
1: just in that one year. Mm-hmm. But on top of that, only 27 went to trial.
0: So shows you what they were up to there. <laughs> they weren't closed in many cases. That's what I want. I want law and order. Nineteen fifties Houston Police. Just, <laughs> just I'm like just jerking around all day. Dun dun you know, dun dun yeah. dun dun By three dun. o'clock, they're at happy hour at the bar. Day's over. Their ties are undone. The low it'll be the law and order logo, but like over like what is it? Like over the, the R in Order, there's like a cowboy hat. <laughs> <laughs> ching, ching. Nine AM clocks in. Ching, ching. Three o'clock, drunk at the bar already. Day's <laughs> over. Cases solved, zero. (laughs) Files opened, zero. (laughs) Shots done. Missing people, none. (laughs) We found reasons.
2: (laughs) Those police officers were significantly underpaid compared to other major cities in the U.S. Almost every police officer on the Houston force had a second part-time job to make ends meet. The caseloads were so heavy and the pay was so little, the police pretty much just gave up on everything unless it involved a, quote, important person. AKA rich and white police were ordered to not make more than two arrests per day because they couldn't afford to do the paperwork. So I think that goes to your point of only 27 trials. They, right. were to- they were straight up told don't create more paperwork.
1: It was weird. I also read that they weren't real good on convicting women for murder. So if you were a woman and you committed murder, they let you off most of the time. Really? Yeah.
0: Just for a hand job. And- <laughs> <laughs> That's so. it, Right.
1: Seems like in the 50s in Houston, Texas would be the best time for a woman to commit a murder because the chances of you going to jail were uh, pretty slim.
0: You also think back then too, they were like, because of how, you know, fucked up these people were, they were racist. I'm sure they were sexist. Like, oh, a woman could never kill anyone. Yeah, I'm that's, sure. that's a man. A woman couldn't kill a man.
2: I'm sure that case gone. closed. <laughs> I'm 99% sure that that at least happened once for a case of murder where a woman killed someone. They're like, like, no way. Yeah. Uh, it's a woman. That uh, ain't gonna happen. She was in the kitchen all day. How could she kill her?
0: Good work, guys. You wanna go to the bar? That was the most work we've done in four years. I feel like there's
1: a lot of Texas disparaging going on here, but I really do like I like, have been to Texas several times. I
0: I like Texas a lot. It's okay. It is a weird feeling in Texas. Yeah. It's different. There's some they different They really things. think the world revolves around them. They do. They think that their own country. Yeah. Like, it's a different... Like, it's very nice people, but it's a different vibe there. Yeah. Like, it's like there's Texas, and then there's everybody else. Sure. Yeah, but I don't know. Just a different vibe down there. Houston, I've had fun in Houston before. I went to WrestleMania 25 there and partied downtown with a bunch of uh, people from Europe. There was English people and Irish people. That's and fun. Had a fucking great time there. Uh, like I, Austin's really cool. Austin's a fun town. I've been to San Antonio really cool. I've not
1: been to so San Antonio.
2: I was like 118 when I was I there. I think that was like
1: that today at the <laughs> fair. It's uh, about right.
2: So hot. So they were told not to arrest more than two people because they couldn't afford to do the paperwork. The missing persons division didn't investigate cases. They took the name down and they would let the family know if their missing loved one got arrested and showed up in the Houston system or if they died Other than that, it was nothing. They were just, it's it's better off not even reporting them as missing. They read the obituaries every day, like, how many cases can we close? Pretty much, yeah. Wow. Later in the series, we'll talk about letters Dean forced young boys to write their parents. Those parents would take the letter to the police and say, like, my son did not write this. Please look at it. And the police would say, well, you heard from your son. So obviously he's not missing. And they would just take that kid off the missing persons report. Case cleared. Regarding the Homicide Department, at the time of Dean Coral, the department consisted of 42 detectives. These guys were to handle every type of crime in the cities besides drug-related offenses, partly because regular police officers refused to look into cases and made a game out of who could get out of work the earliest, and partly because Police Chief Herman Short had a hard-on for busting people for marijuana.
1: Marijuana, the burning weed with its roots in hell. (laughs)
0: dreaded marijuana that's from reefer madness (laughs) that reminded me too when you said hell i've been listening to some art bell stuff just getting ready for october you can never start too soon and i'm listening to open lines uh for the antichrist there you go. and he the first time caller line he designated for if you're the antichrist call and so many people have been calling, wanting to talk about the Antichrist, but not identifying as the Antichrist. And he's getting so pissed. <laughs> and he's hanging up on all these people. He's like, well, then you broke the rules, didn't you? Click. <laughs> um, Sir, if you're not the Antichrist. <laughs> well, then why did you call this line? Well, our, I wanted to talk about click. Click. <laughs> You will not break the rules on my show, and so many people fucking call with their radios on. Anyways, <laughs> I don't know if it was the first time he had played it, but on this show was when he played the sounds from hell. Oh yeah, yeah. and oh that clip God. always is just—it's creepy.
2: It is creepy. Yeah, yeah. It was. It was uh, a hole dug into Russia. right? That's right. right. Yeah. And
0: went nine miles into the earth. Something like that. And yeah. I think we played. We t- we've played it on Art Bell shows before, and then we just did it recently on our terrifying sounds right I Patreon think so, show. Yeah. But it's, it's allegedly audio from the sounds of hell. And, it you know, sounds like a high school
2: gymnasium. But. <laughs> <laughs> Still creepy. A homicide detectives told Jack Olson for his book, The Man with the Candy, that they would get transferred a call where a woman was getting beaten by her husband. And they would have to say, look, we have a stack of murders here. You're on your own. If you were black, you were on your own no matter what the situation was from that interview with a homicide detective uh in the book the man with the candy said quote "Uh, lieutenant i've got a real fine murder case for you i want you to get your ass out there and knock on doors and ring some telephones i don't want you fucking around in the office that detective boss i ain't prejudiced but is it white or n-word lieutenant it's white now get out there Presumably, because if it wasn't white, they wouldn't even bother sending him out there. No, yeah, absolutely right. not. He's like, "Why
0: do you think I'm talking to you? You got to get out on this one."
2: Jesus. Yeah, it's like, would I come? Would I even come to you if it oh, wasn't uh, a white person?
0: The boss, it's two for one wings night at the bar. Well, you'll be there by four o'clock.
1: I'm guessing this police strategy was not unique to Houston, though. In this day and age, uh, no, of course not. We're talking about Houston, but um, you know, I'm sure they weren't <laughs> the only one. Oh no.
0: Well, we just almost had the same conversation during the Anthony soul in Cleveland. And that was what 10 years ago. That's true. You know, yeah. it was the poor black,
2: the, the sex workers sure. and they didn't give a shit. The, well, Gladys Wade. They told her to, you got to come down to the office. Mm-hmm. Just like the, the guy in the the detective in the book used a domestic violence thing. told the woman, you have to come here to file. Yeah. Right. That's the same thing happened in Cleveland 10 years ago.
0: Yeah, so clearly this isn't specific to there. No, no. no. And clearly this is still happening today. 100%. Probably more so than we want to think about in major cities across the country.
2: There's a lot of things in Dean Coral's story and stuff we'll talk about in part two. Kind of bring up in the end here a little bit. That's like, oh, this is so long ago. Things have changed, but they really haven't. They, re- they really haven't. It's like some of this stuff we'll get into. It's like, I can't imagine something like that happening today, but yeah. definitely does.
1: I think there's a lot of, you know, denial. People living out in the suburbs don't think this kind of stuff happens.
0: But like we literally told the story yeah, of, uh, of Anthony soul. And it's not even fair to say that it was just in the South. You know, there were obviously times back like 50s, 60s where the South had its issues, but this was in Cleveland, Ohio. You know, it's happening in, it can happen everywhere. It's not, yeah. it's not just to pick on the South. This one just happens to be in the South. And in Houston. so we're going to shit on you a little bit.
2: There was an easy fix for our, all of these issues. There was tons of federal money allocated for police departments. So this kind of shit wouldn't happen as far as them being like overworked. And, um, you know, they wouldn't have had an excuse to say we can't have a missing persons department and stuff like that. However, police chief Herman short refused any of that money saying that he didn't want to handout from the government. Instead, of having the officers that were willing to work, help people like that woman in the domestic violence situation. Chief Short used those officers to stop and frisk for marijuana or to raid gay bars and bathhouses because according to Chief Smart, they were all child molesters. All gay people were child molesters. Chief Herman Short sounds like a swell individual. (laughs) Back to Dean's early life, Dean graduated in 1958 and the family opened a physical candy shop outside of their garage called Pecan Prince. Dean continued to work for his mother day and night until 1960 when his grandfather died. When Dean's grandfather on his mother's side died, Dean went out to Indiana to help his grandmother on her farm. While he was living in Indiana, Dean started a relationship with a young woman, but when she brought up marriage in 1962, Dean left and moved back to Houston.
1: I wonder if he just missed fucking those farm animals and that's why he went.
2: (laughs) You think he was fucking farm animals? I don't know. I don't think it's outside the realm of possibility. No. I mean, anything is open here because yeah, we just know this very skewed version of things like this is through his
1: mother's lens years later after everything's said and done. I don't know that I believe
2: in all this, right? Well, I'll pull some quotes for part three from Mary's letter uh, that she wrote after all this. The denial is like mind numbing Mm -hmm. in there. So I don't believe a lot of this, uh, this stuff about Dean's childhood. Like he was just this great shy kid.
1: Look, no one wants to believe their kid is capable of doing some of the things we're going to talk about, but so you can, you can understand
2: to a degree. Yeah. The following year in 1963, Mary divorced Jake West and started a new candy company called Coral Candy Company. That's De-
1: some uh, sweet alliteration there. Huh, <laughs> That's Mike? Good stuff.
0: You like that? I do like it. Triple C. You just said like the Cuckold Candy Company. <laughs> some good alliteration like that. And it's just, I, we only sell suckers that are the shape of my cock. <laughs> <laughs> Incidentally, only the wives are buying them. <laughs> How about like candied cream pie cooters candy? There you go. It's <laughs> not bad. Under right? my company or that's your own company? That's your company. Okay. Candied cream pie cooters. Well, I think that's just something we sell onto the cuckold candy company. <laughs> Fun for the whole family. Absolutely. Delicious treats. You bite into
1: it and it's just like cream filled runs all like all out of your mouth on your
0: down your chin. It's perfect. It goes down all like onto your tits. <laughs> They're made to like just explode. <laughs> A gusher.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Dean moved into an apartment above the shop and ran the machinery day and night. It was also in this year that there were the first hints of issues to come. In 1963, a teenage employee of the candy store went to Mary to complain about Dean sexually harassing him. Like Dean wouldn't stop when this kid said no. Mary flipped out and fired the kid and nothing came of it.
1: He never, never fun to work. Like with the owner's kid, right? No. Yeah.
0: Like nothing good can come of that. I'm trying to think if I've ever really had that experience, though. I don't think I have, fortunately. Uh, like you're never going to win an argument. No. You're always going to take the kid's time. Right. Your best bet would be like, to well, not if you're getting, you know, assaulted. But in, in a regular scenario, you buddy up to that kid. You probably can get away with anything you wanted. Oh, yeah. If oh, you're like a little shop, you steal all the, the Snickers bars and <laughs> Yoohoos that you wanted. <laughs> Tea Yoohoos. I've never liked Yoohoo. No, it's terrible. Yeah,
2: it's so bad. Yeah, I don't like that kind of yeah. stuff. Uh oh. All right. We've spoken on that and just buried <laughs> Yoohoo. On August 10th, 1964, Dean was drafted into the U.S. Army at the age of 24 and sent to Fort Polk, Louisiana for basic training from there dean was sent to Fort hood texas where he worked as a radio repairman dean hated the army and his mother hated dean being there so mary wrote a letter to the army requesting that dean be sent home to work at the candy shop because she couldn't handle it herself the army granted dean his release and on june 11 1965 dean was honorably discharged according to acquaintances after the fact This was when Dean first accepted the fact that he was gay and had a relationship with a male soldier.
1: Pretty dangerous those Uh, days in the Army. In
2: 1965, the Coral Candy Company moved to a building directly across the street from Helms Elementary School. Dean made a habit of going out every day and handing out candy to all the school kids, like the kids would line up in the back of the building. The principal of the school asked Dean to stop because kids were crossing the street unsafely and it was generally causing an issue, but Dean didn't stop and no one really thought anything of it. It was like, Oh, Dean is such this sweetheart and so kind to these kids giving out the candy earned Dean the nickname, the candy man in some residents of the Heights called Dean, the pied piper because of how kids followed him around. Talk about a, built-in sort of apparatus to find victims
0: right like, it's come, like the perfect they come to
2: you yeah yeah the
0: perfect thing
2: i mean like i couldn't even go to the fair today because i'm trying to not eat candy because of my health i would have been you'd have been
0: fucking groomed even today
2: <laughs> i like all those free candy over there
0: and he's got pet <laughs> raccoons yeah, i'll be right there pal
1: can i lick your balls dean you got any nerds
2: <laughs> your thoughts on nerds i like nerd ropes those are real good
0: yeah. I didn't love nerds. I never liked them. The older I get, the more I kind of like them. Nerd yeah. ropes are really good, but I don't know. The end. <laughs> I didn't have anything to follow up. I just thought I'd go on that nerds run. Skittles. No nerds. Uh, I mean, who doesn't like Skittles? I love Skittles. Basic Skittles. Don't give me the tropical. Or so all those. Fan- I don't want know, any of those spin offs. Just the red bag nope. Skittles. Yeah. I prefer Starburst, but I love both i'm eating candy i like the fruit candy not the chocolate i prefer the fruit over the chocolate yeah same here yeah you too or no mm. what was your what's always your go-to like chocolate candy bar when we talked candy bars before but i can't remember hundred thousand dollar bar that's right it's the greatest so candy that's, your that's chocolate. ever been invented so that's your number one even over like a skittles oh yeah hundred thousand dollar bar Skittles too? Hundred grand if you will I think it's called 100 grand. Now,
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the old commercials in my day, they said the 100000
0: The $100,000 bar. they are like, we're not putting all that on a fucking candy bar. Look, look we're making these candy bars smaller and paying people or char- charging people more. We need to come up with something quick. 100 grand. Pretty soon it's just going to be 100K. <laughs> That's right. 100 grand in Skittles. Okay. Yeah, I always like the fruit better, like the fruit candy. Starburst's good too. Oh, yeah. And now they got like the bags which just like you can get like all red, and it's just like really and they're like mini, but it's like one of those like you know like gas station style bags, and you just open it's like different flavors of red. There's like a cherry and a raspberry mm. and a strawberry, and maybe strawberry might be pink, but oh, it's the best. You don't have like, to worry about fucking yellow ones. Mm, I like lemon heads too. Those are okay. Those hurt my mouth. I'm a pansy with like sour stuff yeah, like that. They hurt, oh, but they hurt so good. They hurt so good. My mouth is watering right now. Just thinking about like I that. I love lemon, oh. lemon heads. the best. Like I never got into those or Sour Patch Kids or any of that stuff. I the like sour-, sour Patch Kids. Do you? I, I sour. And even like today, like sour beers. Get the fuck out of here with that. Don't offer me a sour beer. I will punch you in the face. <laughs> <laughs> we, were
1: <a> <laughs> we were
0: at a couple of... We were at... A bar downtown a couple weeks ago,
1: and I ordered. Um, I I read it wrong. I read the description wrong, and it was a sour beer. Oh. I have never tasted anything so fucking disgusting. They're vile. It was terrible. And the guy's like, uh, You like that? I'm like, I'm good. <laughs> he goes, I'll get you another one. I go, Okay. <laughs> like he knew
0: that it wasn't even a good drink. Yeah. He knew you didn't like, it. he knew I like, he poured out and got me another. Oh, I, it was so fucking what gross. Did, you just missed the word sour like in it when you were reading the description. Yes. Yeah. What'd you get instead? An IPA. That's the way to go.
2: Eventually Dean took this grooming to a whole nother level and put a pool table in the back of the candy shop. And at this time he was strictly only associated with boys from about the ages of 10 to 18 years old. These kids would come and go as they pleased. And the only adult he associated with besides his mother was a longtime girlfriend named Betty Hawkins, who we'll get into in part three. There were also some other signs of things to come. Dean had a temper, but wouldn't show it to anybody. If he got mad and he was visibly mad when he like his face would get red and shit. Um. He would go into a back room in the candy factory that employees called the pouting room. No one was allowed in the pouting room and no one knew what Dean did in there, but he would come out fine. Like nothing happened. Dean also started to become obsessed with digging. First, he dug up the floor of his pouting room, put wood over the hole and covered the wood with cement. Then he started going out in the middle of nowhere, digging holes at night. When he was asked about it, Dean said that the candied apples Attracted bees and rotten cans were filled with weevils, and the best way to get rid of them was to bury them far away from the factory. And there's even people quoted in in the book that that spoke with uh Jack Olson, and they're like, Oh, Dean was such a good boy, he never complained about having to go out and dig those holes oh, to bury apples.
1: God. Like, are we thinking he was already burying bodies in this hole? I think so. Of course,
2: right? Yeah. That doesn't make sense. Anything else? I think that Dean Coral started way before his first and murder again, that can be confirmed.
0: Like you said, he's never spoke. This is all kind of from his mom and people who knew him and people who knew him. So we we're maybe getting part of all of this story. Correct. But this is what, what the, this is, what the story is because
2: this is what we know. What the story it isn't is that he was not actually burying apples. And I'm sure nothing good was happening in the pouting room. No, no. Right.
1: Oh, you can't go in there. Cause it's the pouting room.
2: There's
1: not dead fucking kids in
2: there. While this shit was going on, Mary got married to her third husband, a merchant seaman. She met through a new computer dating service basically. And it was something that went into downtown Houston and it was basically you filled out a punch card and it was fed into this huge uh, mainframe type computer and then a couple of days later, you would be mailed the results. So Mary got hooked up with this guy, and she impulsively married him within like a month of knowing him, and it went south real quick. No. <laughs> <laughs> he questioned um, Dean hanging out with all these young boys, and this new husband told Mary that she was being delusional when she swore that Dean wasn't gay. Talking back on it, Mary said, quote, Dean was not a homosexual. He was loyal, obedient, helpful, loving, and a good, normal boy. Because obviously a homosexual could not be loyal, obedient, helpful, loving, or a good, normal boy. What I've learned from reading The Man with the Candy is that the worst thing you could do, then this is all of Texas, and I'm sure there's other, there are definitely other states in the South, the worst thing you could do was smoke weed or be gay yeah, yeah the, apparently the right two right. worst things possible i hope
0: people know i was being sarcastic when oh, i oh yeah no, I okay <laughs> well i know you guys knew that but people tuning in for the first time like that's what a ridiculous statement mm. how does this thing work where you uh
1: put in some data and it spits out semen yeah this super <laughs> this,
0: uh
2: <laughs> the way it was described night, is night. like one of those computers that's like a fucking oh, the punch full cards wall and stuff, yeah yeah <laughs> There probably wasn't any computer. They probably just took two people and yeah. they're like, oh, it's these like, people match.
0: It's like some guy behind it. Just like oh, this one and this exactly. one.
2: Boom.
1: <laughs> yeah, like the DOD had super punch guard computers in the 60s. I don't know about this dating service. <laughs> in downtown DC. it was that. under the
0: DOD umbrella. That's what it was. <laughs> they ran it. They are like, oh, you know, Department of Defense, and we'll help you find your significant other. <laughs> It was also a way, because you submit your information to them, Dave, and now they have your information. They can check if you're a commie. Mm. It all goes back it's to true.
1: It, you know, It's all connected, Mike. Yeah, It's
0: all connected. Carthy was going to get you.
2: About a year and a half later, Mary's next husband, Walt Colburn, was a huge issue. Again, like the merchant seaman, Mary got married to this guy super quick without having any type of feeling out process. Walter suffered from schizophrenia and did not take care of it this resulted in another divorce in 1968 and mary went to a psychic who told her that she needed to close the candy factory and get as far away as possible so that's what she did and mary moved to colorado so
1: dean was 29 at this point i've calculated using my superior math
2: skills thanks pal <laughs> no job now the, the candy place is closed Nope.
1: what's he gonna do Ian? what's and
2: I do <laughs> well before we get into <laughs> when Dean gets away from his mom, he's like kind of a. Uh, I think the whole like digging the holes earlier, he was definitely up to something <laughs> yeah. with that. But I think when Mary left for Colorado is when Dean had all the freedom to do what he really wanted to this do. This guy did not need freedom, no, no. freedom, no, no. Side note, Mary was a big fan of psychics. Of course she was. There's a lot of talk of psychics, especially in part two. She said that she went to another psychic about Dean's sexuality, and the psychic said that based on Dean's date of birth and the exact time that he was born, there was astrologically no possible way that Dean was gay. So that put Mary at ease. It was a done deal. Dean was not gay. Jesus Christ. (laughs) (laughs) Well,
0: that settles it, right, Dave? (laughs) Case Closed. Has a psych- Final Truth. Has a psychic ever actually been wrong? I'm just saying, <laughs>
1: psychic.
2: In the the quotes are just absurd to read in the book. Like it's like, "Oh, don't worry, Mary, your boy's not gay." There would never something something like that would never happen.
1: What astrological uh what zodiac sign was
2: he? Well, December 24th. Well,
1: it's my birthday, so he was a Capricorn. There you go. (laughs) Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. I can confirm. definitely (laughs) not gay. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh.
2: So stupid.
0: Oh, so didn't we discuss... Have we discussed... Are we all Capricorns?
2: No, I'm Aquarius.
0: Fuck you,
1: (laughs) You suck. Aquarius. Christmas Eve is definitely a Capricorn.
0: Didn't Lemmy die on your birthday?
2: He did. Hmm, Very sad. Enjoy that, pal. It's not entirely clear why, but Dean didn't move to Colorado with Mary. Most doctors and experts that have studied this case believe that Dean already had a vast system of grooming young boys and molesting many of them set up in the Heights. So he wasn't going to leave that to start over.
1: Look, he had the perfect setup, a candy company where he, you know, essentially worked and owned it across the street from an elementary school. He put in the
2: work, you know. In, Probably not going to be easy to get that same setup and start from scratch, right? Yeah, he had these kids' trust, and yeah. they were having, like, these party kind of deals, these hangouts with the pool table in the back. I mean, yeah, short of, like, the school bus
0: dropping them off at your right. door. Right, exactly. Like that's, you couldn't he, ask
2: for a better setup. He had
0: exactly what he, he needed to start grooming them. Yeah, yeah. Well, you don't so I move
1: to Colorado and set that all up again. Yeah, he's a lot of work. Well, and,
0: and he, maybe he wanted to be away from his mom. Finally, twenty nine years old, he's ready to spread his wings.
1: <laughs> sure,
0: that's right. He learned everything he needed to know watching the pigs fuck,
1: <laughs> the clitless pigs.
0: Yes, Dave. No <laughs> creature on earth has a clit. I'm tired of this fucking. You know, it's as ridiculous as the flat earthers out there. Move on, people.
2: Jesus. So Dean got a job at the Houston Lighting and Power Company and moved into a shed-like apartment across from Cooley Elementary School. Dean put in a black light, a TV, a stereo, and had an alarm system that would flash a red light in his bedroom if anyone came in unannounced.
1: Completely normal. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
2: your Everyday American boy. Like I say apartment because it did have like a bedroom and stuff, but it for real was basically a shed. shed, Yes. That he kind of transformed into an apartment (laughs) across from an elementary school. (laughs) Mm.
0: So were there people randomly walking into his house shed? Like why the red light? Or was it like just just in case the cops came and he was fucking murdering an eight year old. I'm sure.
2: Okay. Or that would be my It guess. was just more yeah. the a
0: precaution. It wasn't like something that was actively happening.
2: Right. That's what I meant. No, yeah. It was definitely to warn him, you know, if someone tried to come when he was. So, or like a parent looking for a kid.
0: Yeah. This was something that was like happening all the time because like he didn't have locks on his doors. Like an early warning system. Yeah. I got that.
2: Okay. But the kids all came to hang out at Dean's Shed. They thought it was fucking great. He's a cool guy. He had free candy. Blacklight. mm mm. Stereo to listen to. Probably weed. Uh, we'll get to that in part two. The parties, the parties wow, Dean had, Dave, thanks. <laughs> the parties Dean had went from, uh, we'll talk about in part two, but they went from candy and pop or soda to weed and huffing paint mm. as these kids grew up.
0: So he was changing with the times. He was progressing.
2: Yeah, I guess so.
0: <laughs> I mean, no
2: sixteen-year-old
0: wants no, candy. Yeah, that's right. You, wow, you want to huff and a fucking huff, paint like, yeah. like a man. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, it just. He knew exactly what he was doing. If there was a ten-year-old there, he'd be like, "Oh, I got all the you know all the soda that you want." If oh, it's a seventeen-year-old, I got all the weed and yeah, Kansas of spray paint.
1: Twenty-nine at this point, and he That's he sickening.
2: only associates with children, boys mm. from ten to eighteen. Nobody thinks anything of it because he's sweet Dean Coral. He could never do anything. Wrong. So you, th- you don't think there were stories swirling around the neighborhood about this guy
1: across the street from the school who lives in a shed and all the kids congregate there. Like, I mean,
2: it's
0: hard to say because it was such a different time. Like, you know, people didn't leave their, like left their doors unlocked. And,
1: you know and, what I mean? Like, yeah, and this is kind of that poor neighborhood where the parents aren't really providing much oversight to the kids. I, I kind of look at it as
0: like, oh, they're, 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 they're we know where they're at. They're all hanging out in that same spot. Like it's like a safe place almost like, Oh, they're with Dean. They're, they're having fun. I don't even think it's like
1: that. I don't think the parents are overly concerned with what their kids are doing. Like, do you remember the, the outsiders, like the neighborhood that the greasers lived in? Yeah. That's the kind of feel I get that this is like, well, and that's what I, I exactly kind of, exactly like a, that. A, a poor neighborhood where working
2: class,
0: I meant like, oh, they're out of our hair. Like they're, they're over there. Yeah. They're, not, they're not bothering us asking. Not for,
2: overly concerned. Right. Yeah.
0: That's what I kind of meant.
2: Yeah. We're, we're talking about a very poor community. Um, a lot of broken homes. A lot of abusive homes. These the victims would right, come right. from. Um, I think out of all the boys we're going to be talking about as we move forward, at least 28. Um, only five had parents that actually looked for them the rest of them are like I don't give a fuck about that. There kid. There you go. I don't have to pay for him anymore.
1: Like in the outside Johnny goes home his parents are fighting beat him and he goes and sleeps in the in the park on a couch or whatever it was mm-hmm. and
0: but in this case Sounds like an awful movie. You've never seen The Outsiders? Why do you even have to ask that question? Oh, my God. move on. God, <laughs> was it made in the 80s? Christ. <laughs> was it made in the 80s? Yes. It's probably shit. <laughs> 80s movies are so fucking Oh, bad. my God. They're glorified. <laughs> oh, my God. And then God, you watch them, God. and it's like, why do people watch this? This is so bad. Have you read the book? I have not. book's better. Yeah. Who wrote it? S.E. Hinton. I'll read the book. I can promise you looks that. looks good. Mm-hmm. I can't commit myself to sitting there and looking at a screen of 80s filth. How does it start? As
1: I stepped out into the warm sunlight from the darkness of the movie theater. Isn't that the first mm-hmm. line of the book? Yeah. And, the mo- and the time. movie.
2: Yeah. But like you said, Dave, um, with the poor neighborhood and talking about outsiders where they told, you know, Johnny who goes yeah. to sleep somewhere else. That's a a lot of what is happening here. Um That's that's the impression I got, yeah. In Dean's waiting with open arms. Absolutely.
1: As most predators are.
2: Yeah, he's he really he's a true predator through and through. Apex predator. Yep.
0: That's Randy Orton, pal.
2: get <laughs> <laughs> that you better watch
1: out.
0: A <laughs> viper.
2: So, of course, there was a rotation of young boys and teens hanging out at this apartment. And it was here that Dean would pull David Brooks into his web. David Brooks was born on February 12th, 1955, and we know less about his life than we do about Dean's. After everything was said and done, David Brooks refused to talk to anyone other than his confession to police, which we'll get into later. And his family refused to talk to anyone. What we do know is that David Brooks was one of the kids getting free candy from Dean when Dean was handing out candy at the back of the Uh, the factory, which David would have been around 12 years old at the time when David was 14, right in the time frame of this apartment with the blacklight, Dean started giving David money and gifts in return. David would allow Dean to sexually assault him. Specifically Dean would like to perform oral sex on David. And I
1: like that you make the distinction that it's sexual assault because even though he gave permission, a 14 year old cannot give permission. No. Yeah.
2: And he's paying this kid. Yeah. This kid is from a very poor family and not a great family. We're going to talk about his father a bit. Um, and, there's no, and we've talked about this before. There's no consensual
1: sex between adults and minors.
2: Right. Right. It's assault. It's
1: just straight up assault. He's raping this kid.
2: One thing David did say was that Dean was the only person who didn't make fun of him for his glasses or called him the F word being a slur for gay person. And this included adults like David's own father. David saw Dean as a father figure type person. Um, And you can see it. You look at a picture of David Brooks from back then. He's skinny. He has glasses. He looks like someone that in this kind of rough neighborhood, he would immediately be singled out as like the weakling.
1: So he picked them out clearly
2: and groomed them. There's a reason why David Brooks survives this story. David Brooks dropped out of high school in 1969, the same year Dean started to sexually abuse him, and his father kicked him out of the house. So David went to live with his mother in Beaumont, Texas. David would come back to the Heights to visit his father, but it was more to visit Dean. Then in 1970, David moved back to the Heights with his father, but this was pretty much living with Dean full-time. I'm not sure if David just told his mother that he was moving back in with his father and just moved in with Dean or how it exactly worked, but on December 13, 1970, David walked in on Dean and two naked boys, one strapped to his torture board and the other on the bed. The torture board being a slab of unpainted plywood eight feet long and two feet wide with holes drilled into each corner. Dean would use the board by handcuffing a victim's hands to the top holes and binding their feet with nylon rope through the bottom holes. So that's quite the shock for David to walk in on that. Fuck, yeah. Yeah. David immediately turned around and left. But a couple days later, he went back to Dean's apartment because he has nowhere else to go. Really, he doesn't. Have, you know, his dad's calling oh. him, you know, abusing him yeah. verbally with the whole gay thing. And um, and he's what, so only 14, 15 years old? Uh, 16. 16, yeah. yeah. Are you not
0: scared for your... But it's a a father figure. So maybe in your mind, you're like, well, he, you know. Yeah, it's hard to put yourself in that spot. You justify it as like, oh, well, you know, he knows what he's doing.
2: Mm.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Dean explained to David that he was part of a national sex ring for child pornography. And another excuse he would give David and future accomplice, Elmer Wayne Henley Jr., was that he was selling these boys into a sex trafficking ring we know Dean murdered boys based on what we're going to talk about in a minute, but there might be some truth to his claim of a sex ring, which I don't understand why that's like the better excuse. The way that that's always told is like, yeah, don't worry about it. I'm just selling these boys into sex slavery. Like that's worse.
1: Is it not wild that he let them just turn around and walk out the door though? It's a lot of confidence that he, I think he had kind of had the kid under his control that he would come back and not report them. Although Which, w- nothing would happen if it reported him anyway, so But
2: that also makes you think <laughs> the police would have been like what? Yeah,
0: <laughs> that's true. But I think that goes back to things we've talked about with every other killer. You know, we how long has this been going on? Maybe he had gained that confidence to the point where he was feeling invincible, untouchable, yeah. as a lot of these serial killers that we talk about do.
1: I feel like he was already burying people in a hole in the right. shot.
0: Yeah. And he knew how the way the police worked. He knew that, hey, I'm literally killing these kids or, or assaulting them as they're coming out of school and nobody has even, you know, furrowed their brow at me. Like uh, nothing has happened. Oh, David, eh, he'll be back. Right. What's he going to do? So, He's not gonna, who's going to believe yeah, him? Yeah. Who's going to believe that the nice candy man did yeah. anything. So that just yeah, goes to say, yeah. how long had this been going on now that he had already been in that point? Maybe completely emboldened. We had the confidence. Yep.
2: I, and I can completely see that from, uh, from reading the book, the candy man, interviews with people from that town from the heights i could easily see someone you know if david brooks came to someone and was like dean has two kids like naked and tied up in his, in his apartment to be like get the fuck out of here right like what are you talking about that's not happening you probably get accused of smoking weed and get in trouble
0: yeah right and then you're in big trouble <laughs> yeah that's true <laughs>
2: well they call the cops on him and the police would come and arrest him
1: and
0: yeah
2: regarding there being some truth to Dean's claims of being a part of a sex ring. On August 15, 1973, police in Dallas uncovered a nationwide sex trafficking ring of young men, teenage boys, and boys as young as 10 years old. Police seized a card filing system that contained around 10,000 names of um, some of them were of age, but uh, a lot of them were underage and victims. And some of them were known to be at minimum acquaintances of Dean Coral. Furthermore, in March of 1975, Houston police through a sting operation arrested five individuals for possessing child pornography. There were 16 boys in these pictures with the youngest being eight years old Hmm. and 11 of the boys out of these 16 were known victims of Dean Coral. So at the time that those pictures were found, those kids were already dead. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I read today the New York Times story from 1973 about when this was uncovered. How do you think things like this worked in 1973 without the Internet? Like how do these people find each other? Was it coded messages in magazines, kind of underground But then, how do
0: you figure it out? Like, how how does does that work? Learn that, right? Like, someone had introduced him to it, then, right? Right. How does stuff like
2: that work without an internet? How does how does how um, do people live without internet? (laughs) He was he was obviously a part of this to some degree, hundred percent. Yeah. But but
0: but again, like for someone like him who seemed, from what we have heard, to be antisocial, didn't associate with anyone other than kids and his mom. How did he fall into this? Like How did this he become part of it? Someone had to groom him into it, right? This ring was nationwide.
1: Like these people, these boys, the, the well, some were adults, some were kids. The
0: victims, but the victims, yeah,
1: would fly around the country and stay a couple days with this person. They would buy them a plane ticket to fly to the next
2: person. How do you set all that up without the internet? I think what you said, coded messages. Like, how do you... but Burner then that, phone lines? Because there's no burner phone, so it's right. like some weird phone numbers.
0: But then that, that again, goes back to then how does someone like a Dean Coral become involved in that? How do you find who, each who other? Who taught him, hey, here's the codes you look for. Here's the phone number. Like, there's
1: a lot if, of kookiness going on today. Like, QAnon, for example. Mm-hmm. But before the internet, these kooks were just all... On their own, they didn't have a way to reach each other. But the internet allowed... Gun kook- shows.
2: Remember? <laughs> Oklahoma City, that's how they all it, found it each other. allowed these kooky
1: people to network with each
0: other. And now we have things like QAnon where... I'm all not these- going to sit here, Dave, and let you tell me that JFK Jr. is not still alive <laughs> and is going to be on the Republican ticket in 2024.
1: <laughs> but QAnon was impossible before the internet because these people had no way to network with their kooky ideas and, and to, you know... Implant these these ridiculous things into other people's brain. How did people in 1973 network
2: child sex rings across the country? Is my question. Would it be the same thing like um like a bookie taking bets? But a bookie knows (laughs) his people, right? Because you work face to face with him. But there's there's a central hub here in Dallas, obviously, because they got ten thousand a card filing system of names so you're but but then somebody found dean
0: and said okay you're here's how it's going to go but
2: like okay so there was a bookie that I that I know of or knew of in high school through a friend I wouldn't be able to just go to that guy and be like hey I want to place a bet He'd be like who the fuck are you and what are you talking about but if I went through my friend's dad sure I could place a bet I wonder if someone dean had a relationship with someone and it just You know, locally, but those were nationwide. Like, how
1: did someone in New York City get the? And I and I read they were. It was like a fifteen dollars monthly membership to be in this club. To
0: what? What? What do you sign that?
2: Access to that ten thousand right? right.
0: But like, you're writing a check or a money order to what? Some dude in (laughs) Palm Beach, Florida. Enron. I mean, who are we writing checks to?
1: It was called the uh, so it was called the Odyssey Foundation, and it had a San Diego post office box. Like, how does that work?
2: Even I mean, I guess what it would be with the dark Web, but I was going to say even today, there's things that happen. I, I don't it's just it's fucking terrifying.
1: Yeah, like maybe I'm just an Ohio Rube. But
0: I know some but, stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but what do you mean by that? Like, like why do you, like, we're Maybe, talk, but we're talking 50, 60 years ago when they didn't have this. And that's the questions we're well, asking, right? I, like,
1: I know some things about crime and how criminal enterprises work. And I'm just trying to think through how a nationwide sex trafficking ring of young boys got together in 1973 and paid $15 to join this Odyssey club. Like, how did it work? Is
2: it just word of mouth? Maybe it's just word of mouth. Maybe it is. I don't know. I'm sure that there's levels. Like, you can't just go and get a membership right off the bat or something. There there has to be some type of system mm. of... I don't even want to know what that system is. Yeah, that's what I mean. It's so fucking And your bookie scary. point is a, it,
0: it's
1: a good point. And, and back in the 90s, when... A lot of the bookmaking operations were still going on in Cleveland. I think the main guy got, got uh, taken down like at the, in the, at the end of the nineties. But yeah, everyone offload, everyone
2: went through the same person. Right. There were sub bookies and sub bookies who. It's not like, I'm. it's not like all these guys that would be using the system or just like out in public, like oh, I'm a pedophile. You know what I mean? Like there's, there's a, a big layer of secrecy to these people. Yeah.
0: They're not meeting up at McDonald's every Tuesday for coffee and (laughs) and egg McMuffins. It's a pedophile (laughs) club. And some of this, it wasn't all pedophile either. I
1: think there was a lot of just of age male escort. Yes. Part of this
0: whole operation. I think we're just talking more about, you know, Dean and and his thing. But again, that I keep going back to then that I'm intrigued by how he got involved in this. Did someone see him with his setup? And was like, God damn, that's grade A location. And they show up and like, oh, he's already digging holes. He's one of us. Yeah, I, he's, a, he's already a level two audited Scientologist. I think I just Whatever think, their fucking, <laughs> whatever their level is, you know, not Scientology,
1: but. Where everything's at your fingertips these days, it's just hard to imagine how to set up a, a crime ring like this in the
0: 70s, a nationwide crime ring. I don't even like making phone calls these days. I would not survive anymore if you took away technology. I'm not calling people.
1: Yeah, like you're on your rotary phone calling Dallas from New York. Uh, yeah. uh, hello, uh, <laughs>
0: can I get a young
1: boy delivered to me in uh, in Manhattan tomorrow? Like, it's just weird, right? How does that work?
2: I don't know. I don't know, man. It's, it's a scary thought. It's scary to even think that. It's scary to this day. Yeah, I mean, this is the closest. This story is the closest to... Um, we would talk about like I know we get requests for Peter Scully we've got requests for that guy in the past mm-hmm. this is isn't closest that the, isn't
0: that the dude from uh, X-Files?
2: it's not, it kind of sounds like it, oh. it that's a, this is the closest Wolver get to covering that I, I, well, I can't do an episode of I that. don't know that, I don't really know that much about Peter Scully it's David
0: Duchovny, right? <laughs> he was on X-Files
2: <laughs> he ran a, he was from Australia and ran a child sex trafficking ring.
1: Oh, I I, there's know, the I whole, know who that is. Okay.
2: Yeah. The, the, there's that creepy pasta online about okay. a, a video and I always thought it was a creepy pasta. I know exactly what you're talking about. And then no. It and then yep. it's, no, it's real and yeah. it kind of shattered life oh, for me. I know exactly. mind. I know exactly what you're talking about.
0: Doing the kid stuff is not fun.
2: So that's what I mean. Like, and, We're
0: doing Dean Coral, People requested it, but this is not, this no. is sickening stuff for us. We don't like covering it. How about instead, like, we'll just end this one now. And then for the next two weeks, we'll talk about, like, The Rock's wrestling (laughs) (laughs) career. I'll do the outline. Don't worry about it.
2: (laughs) Yeah, this story is a, it's like a bold reminder that the world is not a good place. It most certainly is not. I I told, told you guys, or just the
0: other day, like, I still laugh at, like, that meme that people put out of, like, when aliens fly by Earth, they roll their windows up. They're fucking right. They'd be like, nope. (laughs) Earth fucking sucks. We're trashville USA.
2: You are not lying. So when David Brooks walked in on Dean having two boys in his bedroom, it's safe to assume that those boys were 14 year old James Glass and 14 year old Danny Yates. The boys were last seen on December 13th, 1970 at an anti-drug youth rally at a church in the Heights. Dave was there. (laughs) The boys went. I was two years old, asshole. Yeah. Well. The boys went with their father and James's older brother, Willie. James's father said that James and Danny seemed to be restless, like they didn't want to be there, and they said they were going to go to the bathroom. They got up, walked out the auditorium door, and that's the last time anyone saw them alive. Let Let me retract that. In 1973,
1: I was two years old. In 1970, I wasn't born, asshole. Was this 19? Oh, it was. <laughs> I was looking at the prior
2: paragraph
0: about the bust in 1973. <laughs> Man, that's point because I was just happy you admitted you were alive for, for one of my jokes. I was not alive in 1970. Fuck off. This is just a terrifying paragraph as well.
2: Yeah, we have no idea how Dean Coral met or knew these boys. Danny's older sister later realized that Dean Coral matched the description of a man that Danny talked about who would buy the boys beer. The Glass and Yates family reported the boys as missing, but they were both marked as runaways trying to join the hippie movement. Based on police learning that James Glass was arguing with his father about not wanting to get his hair cut. Come the on yeah the glass and uh the glass and yates family were two families that were looking for their children they were very upset mm. at the fact that the police were like
0: yeah eh,
1: now they took fuck off. them right and yeah, they they, took off. they're hippies yeah we they, can't help oh you. he Sorry. didn't want to get
0: haircut fuck him <laughs> <laughs> hippie Tommy bastard get out of here piece of shit <laughs> you know because kids are never afraid to go get their hair cut then you fucking watch Edward Scissor Hands and you're like, Oh no, hell no.
2: <laughs> Edward Scissor Hands. <laughs> James Glass and Danny Yates were the first of a minimum of twenty eight confirmed boys murdered by Dean Coral, and that's where we will pick back up on part two.
1: That's a hell of a setup, man.
0: Yeah, you, know, you did good work on that one.
2: I
1: just Thanks, I, I know it's coming next week and it's, it's not good.
0: I don't because I haven't read the notes yet. Did you read the notes? You just have the stuff. No, but I, yeah, I don't know. I know of course coming. I don't. Yeah, next week we'll Well, based on what the teaser it's not great.
2: No, we no. still have twenty eight more kids to get to. Oh, can't wait. Go ahead, what are you gonna say? Next week. Uh in next week we'll to kinda we'll talk about David Brooks a little more like that evolving relationship. We'll get into uh, Elmer Wayne Henley junior We'll show up in the story and some more, uh, some more police just not giving a fuck. Got to get to that three o'clock happy hour. Yeah. I like happy hour. I mean, don't get me wrong. (laughs) I like a three o'clock
0: happy hour too. I'm also not responsible for investigating murders or missing people or. All right. We've got some new patron shout outs. Thank you very much to C C J. pedraza pedraza. Zoe Fuller, Christina, Tasha Lang, Lane, Katie, Joe Dirt, Megan Wesley, Kareen Holtman, Audie 3000, Mike's long lost testicle. Did I? I didn't lose a testicle. <laughs> I, maybe I had three. Maybe that's, why been. that's why I'm a bull. <laughs> Sarah Stewart, Shelby Chillington, Chris Martin, isn't Chris Martin the lead singer of
1: Coldplay? He most certainly is. Uh, Mr. Gwyneth Paltrow, previously.
0: Hmm. Well, thanks, Coldplay. Apparently, they're patrons. <laughs> William, Riley Silvis, Murder Incorporated, and Z. Maybe from New Zealand. Maybe. Jasmine Christine, Andrea Boley, Anita Dick. <laughs> Dave. That's not me. That
1: oh, <laughs> should have been
0: Absolutely said. not. Beta male cockroach. Wow. I think I banged his wife. <laughs> Wilma Dicklefit. fit. That's Dave. That's <laughs> not me. Stop it. <laughs> That's a good one. Martin. Ger. 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 Gera? My beaver stinks. <laughs> That's you. That's my. Didn't you just do that one recently? Or? Did I? I don't know. Yeah. Did I repeat myself? No, I think. You God did it. damn it! I think you did because I read it wrong the first time. As as May oh. Beaver stinks, and it's my. <laughs> you did a my something, and I, fuck, that's a good one, Dave. You did well, Jen
1: Sandwich, Andrew Derringer. Like Jen likes to get DP'd, so she's like a Jen
0: Sandwich. Her boyfriend <laughs> and her bowl. Wow, we're slaying everybody, right? <laughs> Poor Jen just wanted to listen to some bonus shows. <laughs> Nicole, N. Rinka Neva, Taylor Loricella, Rachel Ring, Donald LeBlanc, DeRucifer, Trenton Ireland, D.B. Drunken Stupor, Ryan Crowley, Cuck her in the fart box with a Speedway hot dog while slapping her hairy beaver. <laughs> oh, my, that's a lot of words. Is that his request? He wants me to come bang uh, his wife on a Speedway hot dog. Well, I mean, I'm bigger than a Speedway hot dog. You're, you're
1: like, you're like,
0: <laughs> <laughs> you're like banging her while you're eating a Speedway hot
1: dog. Oh, like, oh, uh, now we're talking like Lumberg in Office Space. <laughs> oh.
0: Oh, oh, oh! (laughs) Was he eating something though, or you just mean like like her ankles are like on my
1: on my shoulders, and I'm just like, and Peter's dreamy, like her legs are up. He had his cup of coffee, and
0: he's like, (laughs) (laughs) I'm spilling chili all down like my shirt around her vag. Uh,
1: Peter, if you could go ahead and come in this weekend, that'd be
0: great. (laughs) He would be so lucky as to get to (laughs) eat my cream pie with a little chili sauce on it. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus. Angie Myers, Adam Gallus, Paul Caza, Sierra Macy, pretty, pretty, pretty broke. (laughs) John R. Matt Maj, Georgia Theodorus, Nicole Caldwell, Kashell Peckler, Lucy Bean, Madison Costanzo, Katie Titus, Walter Tankersley, Syndrome of a Down. Thank you all very much. Patreon.com slash necronomopod Ian.
2: For iTunes, I have one for Misha Marie, D Farley, Jay wykoff Cap for Prez, Gase1010, Mike's Taint hey thanks uh abc zx your mom's fupa <laughs> mark versus food is back once no, again. no
1: no shout out for mark versus food <laughs> Ugh, no guy. absolutely not it's the worst
2: <laughs> not a serial doubter stacy j mike is annoying Wow, wow, that's bold. Mike is annoying but we got 5 stars. Yeah, so I fucking take that. You kidding me? The title of the review is Necronomipod, the username is Mike is annoying and the actual review is just good.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> All right. Maybe
0: it's a woman and her husband's name is Mike and she just wanted to like get you know, vent, get that off her chest. <laughs> it's probably maybe, what it is. Maybe. If she calls me, I'll put something on her chest. <laughs>
2: Uh, and Rage 0809 Thank you for the awesome reviews
0: Internationally Dave where we at None I got none wah, wah.
1: Come on Really Canadians Australians New Zealanders King. Are we losing our fan base I don't know what's happening hmm. Norway Poland Where you at Iran
0: Come on you know we've had Don't let some. the Ayatollah
1: tell you what to do <laughs> submit, a re- submit a fucking review <laughs> we've Fuck had- the Ayatollah <laughs> Fuck him in his asshole. <laughs> oh, I'm going to get a fatwa on me. I apologize. I told him. <laughs> That'd just, be all right. I was only joking. Hey, that's good for business. We need a fatwa on me.
0: We've had, we've heard from many um, women and men who are serving overseas mm-hmm. that listen to us. If they leave us a review, I think that counts as an international review, right? Oh, hundred percent. It does. Send us some reviews, people. You know, the real heroes out there listening to our fucking three drunk asses just talk. Sure. If we entertain you, let us know. We're going to give you a special (laughs) shout out. We might even send you some. Maybe we even need to just do like a a military shout outs for people who are serving in general that listen to us. We 100% will. Of course. Yeah. I know we have a handful. We have a a, more than I would have ever imagined. Mm -hmm. Um. You know, we get those messages sometimes from people are like I'm serving overseas and, you know, you guys help me get through the day or whatever. And, you know, listen. And that's extremely nothing humbling. makes me feel better. Yeah, it's so I fucking, fucking cool. love it. Oh, I don't know. Well, just hit us up uh, on the socials, a DM or send e- email us at what is it? Necronomipod at outlook dot com. If you're a uh, if you're a current uh, active member of our military and you listen to us. News shout out. And Dave, you can read those ones because apparently the international ones a. Fizzled out. Losers. <laughs> yeah. Where's my Polish friends? Come on,
1: motherfuckers. What are you doing?
0: God damn.
1: <laughs> Denmark. <laughs> Come on. Sweden. What are you
0: doing? All right. We'll get. We'll. we'll so. Portugal. <laughs> Step up, <laughs> people. Germany. France. Well, well, we probably pissed Australia off. Slovakia. Right? They're done with us. Kazakhstan. I'm <laughs> well, nice. I like your podcast. <laughs> You make a sex of time over for my wife. <laughs> she is 12. <laughs> uh, <laughs> high five. It's not good for oh. me. Are we packing this show? That's been some vodka I had. Good show. I didn't ask final thoughts, and usually we we do that. But.
1: Well, kind of part one. I'm going to save my final thoughts till part two or part three. But uh, you know, based on what's coming up, I'm not I'm, not. I'm not hopeful. <laughs> it's not not good things in this story. There's nothing good about this. There's story. There's no turnaround with this. No. <laughs> there's no redeeming quality. This it's, guy's not in heaven, uh, parting
0: with Jesus. He's not a good person. But if he would have asked for forgiveness before he died, would he not be in heaven? Dead? Of course he would. That's the how it works, Mike. Just has got to ask once you got final thoughts, Ian. I know you've already, uh, you've been diving in with the books and the research. Yeah. You want to save it? Are you got anything else for this part one?
2: Yeah. I feel like, cause I, you know, break kayfabe a bit. We have a pretty hectic August schedule. So I've already, I've read the book in two days. I've, I'm already done with the part two outline. So, I feel like anything I'm going to talk about is probably going to spoil part two or have to. Don't just, do that. Yeah. Don't well, do if that. Dave
0: didn't take so many fucking vacations in August, we wouldn't have so much <laughs> trouble with our schedule.
1: God I'm, I'm taking exactly the same amount of vacation as you are in August. Oh, my yeah? friend. Let's have this conversation yeah. in September. Huh. Yeah. Let's have this conversation in September. I'm going on a long vacation <laughs> in September.
0: We have to start recording now <laughs> just to get through October.
1: <laughs> I will be overseas for a long time next month you doing a. Fuck uh, you guys.
0: <laughs> He's out of here. He's done. Taking applications to fill in for days. <laughs> you can also 10 bar. That's a plus. <laughs> you can edit shows. Triple plus. Uh, all right. We are on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube at Necronomapod. Patreon.com slash Necronomapod for all of our bonus content. And Amazon.com. Search Necronomapod for our merch. Uh, I think we still got stickers, right, at Necronawapod.com? 100%.
2: There you go. Thanks. All right. You guys ready for a cool-down beer?
1: Cheers.